Hello, everybody. You're listening to Uphill Both Ways. I'm Tess, your host. And today I'm going to be sharing my perspective on posing and posting and how Instagram found its way into both of those things. I feel like the whole concept of posing has evolved so much just within the past year. And the same thing goes for posting. So I'm going to talk about why we take photos, why we share them with other people, how that's changed, as well as my personal experience with posting photos on Instagram. Before we begin, make sure you're following this podcast on your streaming platform. You can follow me on Instagram at UHBWpodcast, and feel free to ask me questions on Twitter at UHBWtweets. When we look at photographs, for the most part, you can't change or alter characteristics of people in a photo like their arm is going to be there no matter what unless you remove it with photoshop photography as an art form when it was just starting out becomes a popular and relevant way to capture people and to tell stories not just by being authentic but by being direct in a way that a painting or a sculpture or a drawing just can't those mediums don't have that ability So along with photography came posing and manipulating yourself in front of the camera or I guess being ready for the camera. In high school, one of my friends and I started doing photography together and we got we got pretty good. We were really into it. We learned how to use a DSLR, how to shoot, how to edit in post. And we both got really good because we both had a passion for it. So most weekends, my freshman and sophomore year, We would go shoot, we would location scout, and it was so much fun. I loved going to these places. We didn't have a car or anything at the time because we were both too young to drive. So our parents would always end up picking us up from like these really weird locations. But it was so much fun. And yes, we did model for each other when the other was taking a photo, But we edited the photos. We were the creative direction behind the photos. We shared them on social media. And we had a specific special photography account on Instagram just for our photos. And we kept this updated after every single shoot we had. And I feel like we used Instagram for what it was really intended for, which is just simply photo sharing. So not only was actually taking the photos a creative outlet, but posting them and making a feed on Instagram was another creative outlet and a way for us to share our passion with other people. I'm not saying that Instagram isn't like that now or it wasn't like that before, but I'll talk a little bit more on that later in the episode. The thing about posing is that people just don't walk around posing randomly. My parents would beg to differ because my kitchen has been a great runway for the past 20 years, but usually if you're walking down the street headed to your job, wearing your corporate attire, you're not gonna hit the street corner and strike a pose waiting for the walk sign to turn on. You're probably just gonna stand there or be on your phone. You would probably get a few looks if you started to pose. So posing has a time and place and we usually pose in front of a device that documents it like a camera. And we usually pose for a purpose like to commemorate event. So if you were to graduate high school, You'd pose in your cap and gown with your diploma, probably, and you're happy you just graduated, so you're probably smiling, too. And we love taking photos like this. We get excited about the fact that 
future us is going to be able to look back at us now in the current moment that we're celebrating. When photography becomes available to the public, it wasn't just the pro photographers anymore getting in control of all the shots. Photography still continued to be an art form, but the invention of the Polaroid camera really made capturing moments easy and it made capturing moments accessible to everyone. You could really capture anything you wanted wherever you wanted. You could form your own narratives with your friends and family. One of my favorite inventions of all time is hands down the photo booth. I am not really in photo booths a lot, but I think when you have the opportunity to go into a photo booth, you're going to have those photos forever because you're usually going in with a person who you know really well or you're really close with or it's a date or it's with one of your friends and the photos you get from them are really intimate and really close and so what happens is the photo booth kind of squeezes all your personality out of you and onto a singular photo strip and as the subject and as the viewer you get to see a sequence of events unfold under the pressure of time moving. So they're reactionary photos. They show how different people can be creative under the pressure of time. A lot of the times they're innocent, they're spontaneous. Time's running out, it's fleeting. You only get four or five photos. So for those four or five photos you put in your all, even if things go completely sideways in the photo, it still makes for a great memory. And each person has something to bring into the photo. The best part about a photo booth is that it's a constant. The people who enter the booth are what make each shot different. It focuses purely on the emotions and experiences of the people who enter. So when you see photos from a photo booth, you feel like you've been let in on a real secret. So when we have the Polaroid camera come out, it's an instant success. I mean, literally and physically. Like, this is widely distributed to everyone. So we now have more family photos. We have instant gratification. People are saying cheese. People are complaining to be done already. Like, that's how popular it gets. It's just like part of your daily routine. First day of school, you take a photo. If you're on a family vacation, you take a photo to commemorate it. For the most part, photography in a photo booth and with a Polaroid camera was low stress, it was fun, and you could be authentic. So the notion of taking pictures and sharing them with thousands or millions of people instantly was out of the question. The only instant they were getting from that was having it come out of the camera the second after it was taken. You weren't able to mass communicate your Polaroid photos with hundreds of random people or receive feedback in the form of likes or comments. What I love about photos before social media is that people were truly oblivious. And I mean oblivious in the best possible way. People just took photos. The photos were theirs and they might share a physical copy with friends or family and they, or they might make a scrapbook to share with others. When you post a photo on Instagram, would you actually hand that photo to each one of your followers in person? Like, would you print it out and go around and hand that photo to all your followers? I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And the more followers you have, the more your answer might fluctuate. I was born in 2002. So 
my generation is really the first generation to experience technology and social media and posting on a more pervasive level. I remember when I was little, my mom had a camcorder that she would take out sometimes to record me and my siblings. And this was my absolute favorite thing because it had one of those flip screens so I could see myself. And when I was four years old, this blew my mind. And I would always ask my mom if I could see me. I would be like, mom, can I see me? Because I just love knowing that what I did would be documented in video format. Not only was it documented, but I would see it being played back to me in that moment at the same time. And looking back on this, I think it demonstrates how we as people like to reaffirm our sense of self, not necessarily in a narcissistic way, but more as a way to regulate who we are and how we react to certain situations. When we're captured in video and photo, this is the closest we get to seeing how we physically and emotionally present ourselves in the world. And that's why I think I enjoyed it so much. As I got older, the camcorder got put away. We didn't use it. Phones became popular. And posing and posting became part of an established, I guess, online culture, internet culture. And I feel like those terms can be used interchangeably. As humans, we're obviously part of this big culture just based on the fact that we're human and we have that in common. And then there's many subcultures within just being human that value different things. But I also think there's this whole separate internet culture that we've established within the past 10 or 15 years. And internet culture consists of so many different things. Basically anything you can put on the internet that's relevant. So posting photos or memes, having things trend, having websites or creating challenges, and the list goes on forever. Depending on who you are as a person, you're going to pose for different reasons. A model's going to pose differently than a bodybuilder, who are both going to pose differently than an influencer, who are all going to pose differently than the average Gen Z Instagram user. The one thing they all have in common is that they're selling something. I'm using the word selling regardless of whether or not they make money because they're all selling an image and their social status in a way becomes richer and it profits off of that. And I think over time, because of this, the line between selling an image versus just simply taking photos for fun has been blurred. Because in the past, selling an image was strictly reserved for advertisers, marketers, and filmmakers, and photos for fun were just for people using their Polaroids. But now, selling an image has become the main reason we use Instagram. It's really become the only reason. So there's an overlap we're seeing here. If we don't post, we become irrelevant. And I would even capitalize the I in irrelevant now because if you don't post, you're going to become irrelevant, which means your social status is just going to deteriorate. So we rely on taking photos and sharing them. We also rely on our friends and our inner circle to understand that we need these photos to post on social media. Your friends understand that you need to post and you might pose in a certain way that is more relevant. They'll understand that 
you need different poses to add variety to your feed. They'll do everything to get the right angles. They'll understand that you might pose differently depending on what social media platform it's going on. So if it's going on Snapchat and you're sending like a silly photo to your friend, you're probably not going to think about it as much as if it were for Instagram. You might post differently. And I hear a lot of people all the time asking, oh, is this for Snap or is this for Instagram? So that stuff matters. And it's kind of subconscious. We don't even think about it. It's just, it's kind of become natural to just ask where this photo is going and then pose in accordance with that. I also want to talk about tagged photos, which are a perfect example of how things become more relevant and less relevant on the internet and how things change so often and how much emphasis we put on certain parts of internet culture. I remember in middle school, if someone wasn't tagged in a photo, there would be so much talk about it. So if someone didn't tag another person in the photo, even if they were actually in that photo, everyone would assume that those people hated each other. Because some people did that on purpose. Some people were purposefully exclusive. This is a form of control and power that you would assume as the Instagram user when deciding who gets noticed and who doesn't. And when people did this, it was a way to exclude. It was a way to be passive aggressive. And it was just a way to be mean. Posing and posting has been exclusive towards a lot of people throughout history. And generally, posing has favored young, stereotypically attractive people and people who are relevant and people who are popular. So I think that's why everyone was so shocked when Martha Stewart was recently photographed for Sports Illustrated, which has been great. I mean, if we can have more representation like that, which I think is slowly happening then I think we're headed in the right direction. To go back to the tagged thing, though, I think people don't really care about being tagged anymore. Like, if you're not tagged in a post, no one's going to take it seriously. And I don't know if that's due to the fact that we've just matured and that was just for middle school, or it's simply because we just don't care anymore because Instagram has developed so many of these other features that being tagged has just gotten lost in the mix. But I know a lot of people remove themselves from being tagged from photos now because they don't look as good in a photo that someone else posts versus the photos that they post, and they want to be in control of how they look and how they're perceived on social media. I cannot talk about posing and posting without mentioning the selfie, which I believe is the true pioneer of the 21st century online culture. The selfie, as we're all familiar with now, is just using the front camera to capture a photo of yourself. This became the thing to do on vacations, at concerts, or when you hung out with your friends. But the thing about the selfie is that it really holds its own. It doesn't necessarily need a specific time and place like traditional posing does. The selfie really needs no purpose and sometimes it doesn't really have a purpose other than the fact to just photograph your face and I think the line from the song I think it's hashtag selfie or maybe just selfie by the chain smokers is really able to capture this so they sing quote but first let me take a selfie end quote 
So during the time this song was released, our society felt the need to call on others to pause and say, hold on, let me photograph my face before we start doing whatever we're going to do. This song is part satire and part truth. It pokes fun at the selfie, but taking selfies was also a reality. So what it does is it describes the necessity of documenting our lives, specifically through documenting our faces. Now I feel like we see the selfie a little bit less because we realized how in your face it is. It's just a photo dedicated to the self where the point of the photo is literally just that and nothing more. So was it narcissistic? Was it harmless? Should we bring the selfie back? Maybe it's already on its way back. I don't know. If we did bring back the selfie, I already know our society would somehow find a way to make it ironic because God forbid we don't take ourselves too seriously. I don't think we would have as much fun with the whole tilted angle and weird cropping thing, but I think a new version of the selfie may be on its way. Who knows? Maybe summer 2023. From the selfie, we develop a basis for posing. So people are feeling confident in the selfie. It was trending. It was doing well. While the selfie was thriving on Instagram, I feel like the selfie really thrived on a place or platform, I guess, called Tumblr. Tumblr really elevated the selfie and created a whole aesthetic out of it. Tumblr was the place where aesthetics were born and made and manufactured. So if you don't know what Tumblr is, that's probably for the best. On Tumblr, there's this thing called being a Tumblr girl where, how do I explain this? I guess it was like these girls who followed a certain aesthetic and just like, they were just cool. That's literally it. Tumblr girls were just cool in 2013 or 2014, whenever it was popular. And I was in fifth or sixth grade, I think, when Tumblr was really in its prime. So I wasn't quite old enough to be a true Tumblr girl. I feel like if you're like 12 or 13, it was kind of harder to fit into an aesthetic. It was probably more like 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds who were true Tumblr girls, but I was definitely an aspiring Tumblr girl. This era was when We put mustaches on everything. People were DIYing everything, like DIYing studded jean shorts. And teenage girls lived off of Frappuccinos for way too long. I honestly don't know how everyone's blood sugar didn't spike. Because I would go to Starbucks and buy a Frappuccino. And I like, obviously, like, you just buy it. You don't think anything of it because it's the thing to do. But those things are so bad for you. Like, how were we living off of those? It's so crazy. People were also wearing cardigans, infinity scarves, the skater skirt from American Apparel, and high-top Converse. That was your go-to outfit. And as the Tumblr girl, you mastered the duck face selfie with the peace sign. That was, like, the go-to combo for everyone. And then if you were more alternative... You would like crop your head out of the frame or look down in your outfit photos. 
I also remember when people became obsessed with finding props to like innocently cover their faces. So people would get a Nutella jar or they'd make the LA sign with their fingers so they would cover their face. And I also, I remember when the iPhone 4 was the phone to have during the time, specifically the white iPhone 4. And I remember you could also use your phone and put it in front of your face, which is so ironic because you would take your DSLR camera, prop it up on a tripod, and then pose with your phone covering your face. <laughs> like, it's so ironic. It was like the way, it was like a way to be cute or quirky. I also remember, this is a really crazy aspect of this whole Tumblr era to me, but people romanticize cracking your phone, like the back of the white iPhone, because then you could draw over the cracks with a colored Sharpie. Like, that's so twisted. What? Now when I crack my phone, I'm like so mad at myself. But Tumblr girls would have loved it because then they would have been able to draw on it. Are you kidding me? At the same time that all this stuff was taking off, group photos were all the rage. And if you listen to my podcast, you know 8th grade comes up a lot. I, I don't love talking about it. It was one of the cringiest years of my life and it was probably one of the cringiest years of your life too. But by the time I was in 8th grade in 2015, 2016, all of my friends and I had Instagram and Snapchat. Social media was present. It was booming. It was doing really well. And this was the time, just to orient you, when people were putting all those white borders around their posts, which I kind of think are still cool. I feel like we should bring that back. When I was in eighth grade at my middle school, we also had these monthly events called sports night. Oh my God, that rolled off my tongue way too well. Oh my gosh, sports night, okay? I cannot believe I'm sharing this. Sports night was the ultimate middle school rave, 8 to 10 p.m. Friday night. This is where all the drama happened. They called it sports night because you could play basketball in a smaller gym, but in the big gym where most of the people would hang out, there was a dance. It wasn't a formal dance, so you didn't wear like a dress and heels, but it was almost worse than a formal because we had themes. The school did not choose the themes, which looking back now is a huge flaw, and I will explain why. So before each sports night, you and your friend group, if you were lucky enough to have one, would plan a sports night pregame, basically where you get pizza and drink Capri Sun. But before these pregames, you and your friends agreed on a theme. So for example, people would do all camo or blackout or all pink. And at the pregame, you would take pictures because you have to post on social media. And I bet I'm not the first person to admit that I'm deeply ashamed of what I did in these group photos. And this is because the thing to do in these photos was stay fierce. I really want to gatekeep this and just say, if you know, you know, but I feel like my listeners deserve the most in-depth analysis of the stay fierce pose. And I will inform you of what it means to stay fierce. To successfully execute the stay fierce pose, you basically make a peace sign with one of your hands and then rotate it 
so it's facing towards you and then you bring up your hand against your eye so that your pointer finger is resting on your eyebrow and then your middle finger is like right below your eye and if my memory serves me correctly some people would actually say stay fierce when they did this I have no explanation for why this was popular, but if you were staying fierce, you knew what you were doing. So yeah, so while you could successfully execute this stay fierce pose, there was still a part about these group photos that was exclusive, and we could see the exclusivity online the next day based on the photos that were posted and what people were wearing. So if you didn't get invited to Isabella's sports night party, you felt like the lamest person in the whole town and everyone would check to see who went to whose party based on what we saw on Instagram the next day and based on what you were wearing at sports night so that's why I think like the why didn't the school choose one giant theme for everyone then everyone would have been included and not worrying about what to wear so bonkers so we don't really see stuff like that anymore and that also could have just been a middle school thing but now I feel like we don't really care about the maybe we still care about the likes but we really don't care about the tags or the what the feed looks like that much we do care about the followers I know some people really do which is so ridiculous and that's because it's the one thing Instagram hasn't allowed you to hide so everyone when they look at your page sees your followers and for some reason people still care about that So what do we have now? What do we have in this post-pandemic era? What are we left with after your saturated world of mid-2000s teens Instagram? We have casual Instagram. What is casual Instagram? How can media be casual? Okay, I'm going to compare two different situations, one from the past around like 2016, 2017, and then one from 2023. So going back to 2016, say what you will about the sorority squat, but that did wonders to your social relevance. That would probably land you somewhere around 250 likes. And another thing to post was vacation photos. We could not get enough of vacation photos. I mean, we still can't, but for different reasons. So If Becky posts on Instagram in the Bahamas, people are like, oh my gosh, Becky, I just saw that you went to the Bahamas. You're so cool. And we'd be thinking to ourselves, how would we have known that Becky was in the Bahamas in 2016 if she never posed in her oversaturated outfit and posted with the C1 Visco filter and captioned it Bahamas 2016 with a million emojis? People were so overbearing with what they posted People lived in such excess and saturation and you would scream from the rooftops what you were doing on social media. So now in 2023, instead of making your Bahamas trip all about you because people realized how narcissistic it was getting, we turned to casual Instagram to subtly communicate that we're still relevant without being overkill. And that's why poses are more toned down. There are more aesthetic photos instead of group photos. And we discovered that we were kind of too overbearing. And now we need to tone it down. We need to be casual. 
So if Becky goes to the Bahamas in 2023, she does a photo dump. She casually takes flicks of the birds flying above her. She shows the texture of her striped towel with a nearby drink in the corner. She looks away from the camera in her posts. It used to be a thing to overly share information to make people jealous. Now we share as little information as possible, but just enough to spike people's interest. This makes us mysterious and elevated rather than fun and bubbly. So it's just two different ways to achieve the same thing, which is attention, because a post is a post no matter what. I know a lot of people like Becky. I don't know anyone named Becky. I'm not saying Becky is in the wrong. Becky can do what she wants. I just think that the thought and energy we put into Instagram sometimes seems like too much, and it's very demanding. And this is evidenced by the clear changes we see with each passing year. I think we can blame casual Instagram on the pandemic. Because due to the pandemic, we started to document our lives more. We were on our phones more. We learned how to make media more casual. We were living kind of slow. On Instagram, while things were getting more casual in real life, posting and posing became effortless and easy. But it wasn't actually effortless and easy. In our photos now, there is an illusion that life is casual, and we work less at showing how curated it is when, in actuality, it might be more curated than pre-pandemic Instagram. We are now always taking photos with Instagram in mind. We see this mostly in photo dumps where we're still curating even the most simple posts I have a love-hate relationship with photo dumps. I mean, I love how casual Instagram is, but I also hate it. You know, photo dumps mean that more photos are being shared, which means more room for comparison. And instead of doing one big calculated post, we get more content, which kind of turns into content overload. And it might make you feel like you're not doing enough in your day-to-day, one could say, casual life. But you are doing enough. You just aren't taking photos of you filling up your gas tank. Or you're not, you're not taking photos of random angel numbers. People just feel a need to post all that stuff now. In addition to photo dumps, another way we're more casual is when we upload film to Instagram. Film cameras are so expensive to maintain nowadays. Like, the price of film is crazy expensive because it's a hot commodity. It makes you seem more real when you post film on Instagram. So people who distribute the film can jack up the price because everyone wants it. I'm not an econ person, but I know this probably has something to do with supply and demand. But now, in comparison to digital photos, it's so expensive to get just one exposure on a film camera. I think it's probably around a dollar a photo. And it's funny because on an iPhone, we take a thousand photos and still try to perfect each one. And then when the film cameras come out, it's curated to an insane level because this is the one and only chance you'll get and you can't redo it. So I bet there's a ton of film photos taken for the the purpose of posting on Instagram, but no one actually posts them because they didn't turn out good enough because we're so in tune with perfection. 
Casual Instagram has had a ton of effects on our society. So first of all, it led to the downfall of the filter. We don't really use filters anymore on our photos. We try and edit it to make it as natural as possible. You could say that really everything about how we take photos and how we pose in photos is more natural now because poses are more candid or blurry. You're not really looking at the camera. It's more spur of the moment type where it looks like we're secretly entering the moment along with the camera. But I know within those 100 shots we take, there might be half a good photo that you would consider posting, but the rest of them get deleted. I think when we actually posed in front of the camera, rather than taking candid, don't mind me type of photos, I think it's actually more relatable. It's what we naturally do in front of a camera, even if it isn't natural at all. I know this is contradictory, but posing for the camera like we used to is more natural to me than pretending the camera isn't there at all. At least posing for the camera invites you into the moment rather than pushing you away from it. Another part of casual Instagram is that people take photos for Instagram. I remember when it was a thing to like post once a week, having a, a weekly post ready to go, and I totally took part in that. It was fun. It was good while it lasted. It was it was a responsibility, sure, but now I feel like it's moved to two extremes. Either we go weeks without posting or we post multiple times a week and we post a ton on our Instagram story. Like, I'll see stories every single day that are updated. So when we take photos now, there's an instant switch between photographer and subject. One moment, your photo is being taken. The next moment, you're taking the photo and you're shaping two different realities being in these two different roles. So you're not only the person promoting the photo but you're the creative direction and you're the subject and you're doing all the PR for it. I think having all of this responsibility, especially in the age of casual Instagram, even though we're being more casual in our posts, I think that because we're taking in so much content and making sure that we produce so much content, we forget how to celebrate the human body and human emotions in the photos. And we forget that when our photos being taken, that we're happy in them and that we should be taking photos to commemorate the good things in life, not just for the sake of taking photos for Instagram. We idealize photos in a way that isn't healthy because we'll compare our bodies in what we look like in our posts to other people. And I think since social media, people are hyper aware of how their bodies look online. And I think the pressure of trying to be like everyone else in the poses that you do makes it harder to love who you are. There is absolutely no way to post on Instagram without even just a little bit of consideration towards how it's going to be perceived. Not without just the slightest bit of editing, not without a little bit of effort. And that makes the overall illusion greater. We work harder to make it look easy, but the truth in the photo is hard to unpack. You don't know if before the photo was taken, something really terrible just happened in that person's life and you don't know what's happening after the photo. Maybe the person taking the photo is in a fight with someone, but people still work really hard to idealize what's happening in the photo. They'll manipulate it to look as effortless and easy and fun as possible. So it's still calculated to some degree whether or not we try to control it. 
I do not think it is casual to post like we do. Instagram initially launched as a photo sharing service. What is casual is to have a family vacation post from 2014 and a picture of plants on your feed. So the true casual Instagram users are people like your parents. They post when they need to, which is rarely, and when they want to, which is sometimes. Nothing is casual about the casual Instagram that us as Gen Z is seeing. It's a curated aesthetic. When was the last time you opened up the Instagram app and took a photo with the actual app and then posted it then and there? I bet you've never done that. The photos we take and the photos we post aren't a real representation of the reality that we're living. Like I said before, before and after a photo is taken, we have no idea what is happening to the person, and that's why it's so easy to judge them. They, they will choose to present the best moment. I want to clarify something, though. I am not a saint. I do this, too. I'm a victim of photo dumps. I'm a victim of uploading film photos. I'm a victim of curating my photos for Instagram, for sure, 100%. Like, if you take a look at the Instagram account for this podcast, of course I'm going to make it look good in a casual way. Of course I'm going to curate my posts. Of course I'm going to idealize myself and my experiences. Social media is not the place to be real about things, at least not yet. And I do like sharing my experiences sometimes, but I go months without posting, and most of the time the Instagram app is deleted off my phone. Sometime last year on my main account I had, I think, over a thousand followers, and I thought to myself, I don't know a thousand people. I would never say hi to these a thousand people in real life. And so I unfollowed about half of those people, and it was one of the greatest decisions of my life. I was like, wow, this is really a social experiment because slowly those 600 people unfollowed me. So clearly our connection was just based on the fact that we both wanted each other to increase the number of followers, which is just ridiculous. All of this has led me to consider whether I think it's good to be comfortable on the internet. And I'm going to say, yes, it is good to be comfortable on the internet, but I'm also going to say no, absolutely not. I would say over time people have been more comfortable in what they post, for sure. Posting is definitely not as big of a deal as it was. People are a lot more casual about it, and people are a lot more creative with what they post. But we are getting a lot of content, and we get content constantly. I think it's also funny how the term Finsta is not used anymore. Like, I don't know anyone who has a Finsta anymore. I know people tend to gravitate towards the term spam account, and I don't really know why, but I love spam accounts. I love being a part of my friend's spam accounts because I get to see what they're up to. I get to see what's going on in their life. I get to see what they're posting. Wait, I'm kind of seeing a similarity here, actually. What's the difference between posting on your main and posting on spam accounts? By having two accounts, people can choose when and where to be comfortable. If it's too bold or if it's too risky for the main account, they'll put it on their spam account. But if it's a photo that's Instagram-worthy, people post it on their main. 
The reason I can support this is because I think it's a good way to connect with your inner circle. And as people, we have many networks and I can understand maybe wanting a smaller Instagram page for your closest friends to follow, similar to the way that you have group chats with your friends on iMessage. But I hope we get to a point where everyone treats their main accounts like spam accounts because then we would see everyone's authentic selves online. And slowly, I think Instagram is getting there. So I think you could say, get comfortable on social media. There's no way it's going anywhere. So why not be your truest self, whatever that means for you? And if you are intimidated by that, just remove followers from your account. And if removing followers makes you upset, then you probably shouldn't be on Instagram because that's not healthy. To wrap this up, I think we can agree that the way we pose and the way we post has changed over the years. And I think the reason for that is because of social media and because the standards set by social media. Taking photos used to be about being genuine and sharing those moments with the ones you love, but now it's become an over-curated mess of content that reaches a sea of random people on the internet. We're constantly shaping new realities online depending on how the internet fluctuates. So much effort and time is put into online personas, and I know we want our lives to look easy and casual online, but I'm finding that as each day passes, it's a lot easier to lose myself in the world of social media. That's all I have for today's episode, and as always, I hope you were able to relate to this episode or you learned something new. Remember to follow me on Instagram at UHBWpodcast and ask me questions on Twitter at UHBWtweets. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the Q&A. Let me know what you guys think about casual Instagram. If you're a fan, if you're not a fan, where do you think social media is headed in the next few years? I'll see you next time.